I think it comes down to gratitude and surrendered effort. And so we can just all take a moment and realize that there's only so much I can do. And at the end of the day, I can't walk over to my ideal client's house, pull out their credit card for them and enter their information on their computer. Like there is a level of surrender that has to happen at the end of the day. And so when I am doing everything that I know that I can do and I'm living intentionally and on purpose, and I am so grateful for every person that walks through the doors of McMichael Consulting and who is a part of our business with Impact Society. And I am, and I, I am, I'm doing all of those things, then I can live in peace that the rest of it will come when it's my time. And so as long as I'm being who I need to be and showing up who I need to show up as and being consistent, um, that I, I can live in that surrendered effort. Is it easy? No, of course not. Of course not. But surrendered effort and striving effort look the same. The only difference is the same amount of effort, but the person who is striving is always unhappy because they're constantly feeling unsatisfied with where they're at. And there's that tension of living in gratitude, but knowing that there's more that's meant for me. And so I continue to move forward knowing that there's more versus being unhappy because I'm not where I need to be. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, Naomi Mdudu, the Lifestyle Edit founder, business strategist, and coach to creative female founders ready to scale their businesses with intention. Each week, I sit down with a guest to pull back the curtain on the strategies successful entrepreneurs are implementing to scale their income and increase their impact. We are cutting out the fluff to give you weekly insights to uplevel your mindset and tap into your infinite potential to create a life and business you love on your own terms. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Rachel, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I was just telling Rachel before we started recording how it's just so fortuitous how people come to you at the right time. Rachel, you've become so known for supporting women to create lives on purpose, to create an impact, but also create business models that can really serve their lives and their families at the same time. And I found you when I was heavily pregnant, getting ready to bring my son into the world. So it's just so funny, like the synergies in the universe when the right people just come into your life at the right time. So I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because I think that that's one of some of the biggest challenges that we face in entrepreneurship, this constant back and forth between wanting to create a really big impact, but, you know, not diluting our focus, not being pushing so far forward that it's to the detriment um, of our lives. So it's just really, I feel like these are conversations that need to be had. So I'm really pleased that there are women like you that are really kind of putting these conversations out there. So before we get into a lot of the the strategic and mindset that goes into creating an intentional business, I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself and walk us through the kind of evolution of your brand because you've built multiple six-figure businesses. So it'd be really great to kind of understand that journey that's led to you to kind of do the work that you do today. 
Yes, absolutely. And thank you again so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And for the listener who's listening right now and they're thinking, I I feel like I'm ready to pivot, but I'm just not sure if I can or if now's the right time. My entire entrepreneurship journey has felt like one big pivot. So I started this entrepreneurship journey almost seven or eight years ago. I was in corporate America. I had the corner office. I drove the luxury car. And from the outside world's perspective, everything looked amazing. But... I found out I was pregnant and the travel, 50% travel schedule that I was on didn't feel like something that was going to work for me and for my family once my little girl came into the world. And so I started exploring other options. What could I do instead that would give me more flexibility and more freedom? And that's when the whole entrepreneurship journey kind of landed in my lap. And at the time, it was through a different vehicle. It was through online personal training. And I I actually originally said, I'm going to be an in-person personal trainer. So while I was pregnant, I got certified to be a personal trainer. And I also linked forces with a network marketing company at the time. Now, I know that network marketing can get a huge stigma, but I'll tell you what network marketing did for my business. It taught me very quickly some of the basics about, you know, customer support, running um, programs, building funnels and websites, actively marketing my life on social media. And so it was such a great deep dive into personal development for me. And so I did that, but I also alongside that built an online personal training business. I would film myself doing workout videos. They're probably still somewhere on YouTube. (laughs) Um, And it was really, really fun. And I built up this client base. But what I realized that I loved the most was I didn't even like working out, by the way. Like my whole um, spiel was like, I don't like working out, but I'm going to do it because I know it's important for me and my baby. And so you should join me too. Since we both hate it, we'll just hate it together. We'll get it done and we'll keep going on our days. And um, that turned into really realizing what I really loved doing was helping business builders, other online personal trainers, people who came to me and said, how are you doing what you're doing? I want to know how to do that. How did you build that website? How did you get that funnel in place? And teaching them how to do what I'd done. But I felt at the time like I needed more credentials. So I got certified with digital marketer. I did all these things to really make sure that I was becoming the expert in that field. So it wasn't just do what I've done, but do what I've done and what's proven over and over and over again. So I started helping personal trainers, health coaches, um, online entrepreneurs, and it really morphed into helping women in the online space starting to grow and scale their online businesses. But one area of this online space that I was really great at was Facebook ads. They came very naturally to me. My brain works that way. And in Facebook ads, there were a lot, there, there's really three key elements to a Facebook ad. And I happened to be really good at all three of them. And so I really niched down, it niched, niche, niche. Um, <laughs> so many people say that so many different ways. So I say that, I just said it. Um, and, and really niched down into this business of Facebook ads and did that for a few years. And 
love Facebook ads. I'm still an expert in the Facebook advertising field, but realized that there was more to it um, that I felt like I could help women at a deeper level. My, my favorite part of what I was doing wasn't teaching Facebook ads. It was working with my one-on-one clients to get results. It was working with my group coaching clients to get results. But I felt like there was a gap in the marketplace of a really um, well-designed and leveraged training for entrepreneurs who were looking to grow or scale their business. So something that would be for the new person or the seasoned person and something that was for women who had a life, had families, had children, had lots of things going on. And so that's where the Business with Impact podcast was birthed from. And then shortly thereafter, the Business with Impact Society. And I created this community specifically for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs who want to transform their online business, want to turn their passion into their purpose so they can reach more people and change more lives and do all of that without sacrificing their family and their free time and their sanity. And this mission of living on purpose um, really became so important to me. And as I built the society, something really magical happened and it, and it drew in not just new entrepreneurs, but but seasoned entrepreneurs, women who are already making six figures and multi six figures alongside women who are just getting started, helping each other, collaborating with each other. The woman who's already making six figures, helping answer some of the more basic questions for the newer ladies in the group and the newer ladies spotting some inconsistencies in the six figure business owners and explaining how they didn't understand what this woman was trying to say and really helping them to perfect their messaging. And so it's just been a really fun collaboration um, and, and a whirlwind of a last seven <laughs> to eight years in online business. I can imagine. And I know there's going to be so many people listening who have, you know, project pod, um, services and products on their heart, but they've become known for one thing and they're really afraid. Like, am I going to completely lose a good thing that I've already created. And I think sometimes you can see, one, it's something that I'm feeling really called to do. Two, I've been doing this long enough and working with one-on-one clients and just being in the space to see that there is a need, but there is still the fear about pivoting, especially once you've established something that's working. What was some of the thing, the mindset shifts that you had to go through in making some of those pivots? Oh goodness. There were so many. So I remember the first time I got the idea for wanting to do something different and I immediately pushed it aside. And I said, no, um, you haven't been known for one thing long enough. I know there's many women out there who think, well, I just, I haven't been doing it long enough to pivot. And I thought, um, what if I go bankrupt, right? Like what if no one buys and I lose all my money. And so there were a lot of limiting beliefs that came up for me, even a seasoned veteran in business, even someone who had pivoted clearly many times before, someone who had has been on this entrepreneur roller coaster for a long time. Um, those things still come up for us. And I think that the difference is that for me, past history has proven itself. And so I can look at the past and I can say, no, that's not going to happen because it didn't happen before. Yeah. But I can also know in my heart that when I'm fully aligned with my purpose, 
nothing can break that, if that makes sense. And I would do what I do with the business with impact society. I would do that every day, all day, no matter what I would do it. If there were 10 members, I would do it. If there were 10,000 members, it does not matter to me. I am so fueled and so passionate to help these women and to come alongside them and to help guide them on their journey and their success matters so much to me that I would do it anyway. And so that fire that I must do this, quite frankly, trump to all of those limiting beliefs that were coming up for me. And that's why I love that it's all about the impact. And very often that we, we forget that we can lose track of the why. And I've been having this conversation a lot recently that the why and that that desire to create that impact in whatever way that looks like for you is what becomes the driving force when things get hard. Because let's face it, there, there are always going to be times where in business where things are challenging and, you know, your stuff comes up. That belief and that connection to the impact becomes your North Star in those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really does. And And I think so many people lose sight sometimes of what really matters because their focus is on the money or on desperation. And and the funny thing about that is that when I stopped focusing on the desperation and on the money, that's when the people came in, right? Because my heart was aligned and, and I was focused fully on service. People can smell when you're not focused on serving them. Completely, completely. So just with the, the, the Business with Impact Society, what made you decide to do it in a membership format? And what advice would you give to people about how to create a business model that really supports the life that they want to lead? Because I think it's challenging, you know, it's in the beginning, especially when you haven't had that past history of testing one-on-one versus group versus mastermind versus membership, it can be hard to know what to go to. And that's where sometimes we can fall victim to that shiny penny syndrome. What are some of the things that you thought about in your mind in deciding that the membership format was the right model for you to go with, with the kind of impact that you wanted to create and what things should people be aware of? Um, Yes. So this is a juicy detail that I've never shared before. And that is that it wasn't originally a membership. So Ah. what happened was last year, back in February, I was sitting in Laguna Beach with um, 10 entrepreneurs and Stu McLaren was sitting right next to me. And he's the king of all things membership sites. And he said, you know, I think you should do a membership. And I was like, well, of course you think I should do a membership. That's all you ever talk about is memberships. He's like, no, I really think that a membership model would make sense. And so I got that little nugget in my head about memberships, but I immediately pushed it aside for a host of reasons why membership, the membership model would not be good for me, why it would not work for me and why it did not make sense for my audience. So instead I launched a group coaching program that ideally was going to do the same thing as the business with impact society. And I ran a founding members group. And during that uh, three months founding members trial, I immediately, I mean, very, very quickly in realized this is not the direction that's going to make sense. Mm. 
Mm. And so um, at the end of the three months, obviously the ladies in the program got great results, got what they were looking for. But at the end of the three month program, I announced to them that I was actually going to be moving what we were doing, transitioning it into a membership. And I'd like to invite them into the membership for a year, um, just to thank them for being founding members, to thank them for um, investing and trusting me. I didn't want them to be blindsided by the membership. And I was going to be covering some of the things that we'd covered in the three month program in the membership model. So they became founding members of the membership for a year, um, for free. And then in addition to that, where I really realized that the membership model was going to make sense was this, I feel like as entrepreneurs, there are just things that are always going to come up. There's that question that you just need answered quickly. There's that, that thing that is just difficult to work through. And so often there's just not a great, quick, easy place to go to ask for help, especially when you're first getting started and maybe haven't had the opportunity to invest in a one-on-one coach, or maybe you're not in a mastermind. I am in a mastermind and I have incredible coaches that I work with, but not everybody has those opportunities. And so I thought, how can I create a space where people can get a question quickly answered, but it's not necessarily Rachel McMichael always answering the question. There'll be, there'll be times that Rachel McMichael can come in and answer the question, but it it has to be bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I also thought through what are the key pitfalls that I see most entrepreneurs make when they're really trying to live on purpose, but they're doing exactly what you said, getting distracted by all the shiny objects that are out there. And I thought, you know what the, the main thing entrepreneurs need? They need a system to know how to create a 90-day profit plan for their business. That's what they really need. More than anything, they need to know how to create a 90-day impact profit plan for their business. What if I gave that in the membership to everyone who joins, no matter what, you get access to this class so that you're always going to know every 90 days how to be reassessing your business and how to pick your focus projects. But in addition to that, I think most entrepreneurs forget the fundamentals. We forget that solid foundation and we forget to go back to the solid foundation and make sure our foundation is solid on a regular basis. We forget our maintenance checks, if you will. And so I started to think through what are the core pillars of a business? What are those? People talk about focusing on your activity, 20% of things that matter. But I think us sit around and say, I don't know what those things even are. How do I know what's the 20% and what's not? So I broke it down into five core pillars. And I said, you know, really your business works like a funnel. You've got content. And from that content, you drive traffic or an audience to that content for the purpose of growing a list, selling your product, and then serving your customers. And so there's really your content, your traffic, your list, your sales, and your customer service that make up the key foundations of your business. So I created masterclasses for each of those, really the core five that we then added into the membership. Everyone in the membership has access to those two things. Then I thought, you know, it's not just that. A group, that could be a great group coaching program, get your basics and get out. But what people need is the ongoing support. They want the community. They want the ability to ask questions. And really, it might be helpful if they had a monthly action plan, something that could take one of those areas and really dive deeper into it for them when it's appropriate in their business. 
And so that's what we started doing in the membership model. So every month, our members get access to, to Q&A calls. They get access to a Facebook community. And they get access to an action plan that really dives deep into one of those pillars and into an area of one of those pillars. So it might be your holiday promotion guide or podcasting or Instagram. And if it's not the season in your business where you're working on that right now, great. You download it, you save it, and, and it's there and available for you when you're ready. And in the meantime, you have access to all the other pieces of the membership to continue to push you forward. That model, I, I couldn't do it any other way. It became, yeah. there's no other way to really deliver this other than a membership model. It, it must be a membership. And so as I was working through what needed to happen to really drive success for the women in the group, the membership became the only way to do it. Ooh, oh, and thank you. I'm so I'm so grateful that you kind of mapped that out. And I just love the series of great questions that you were asking yourself along the way that really kind of mapped out what this would look like. Okay, so now that you knew what the content needed to look like, needed to be, what the level of support needed to be, it blows my mind that you're offering this at $39 a month. How did you make the numbers work to make sure that this could be profitable? Yes. So here's the deal. Um, when we first started, a, a lot of people start memberships out of the gate and they say, I want a thousand members in my membership. But having been in this entrepreneurship world for a long time and having worked with a lot of people, I knew that the customer support requirements for a thousand members out of the gate were more than my team could handle today. And so I knew that the wise entrepreneur builds slowly and steadily and yes. they make mistakes in small places. <laughs> and so many people, they want an audience of 10,000, but they don't want to make mistakes in front of 10,000 people. And so a lot of times we're like wishing like, oh, I wish I had more. I wish I had more, but we're not ready for more because we're not even willing to put ourselves out there and make the mistakes in front of the people we already have that already trust us and know us and like us. Yeah. And so I said, I am going to open this up for a small group. I'm going to get a 50 founding members in this membership site. And financially, that's not going to make sense. But I'm going to grow. And, and even if we grew just 30 members a month, 30 members a month growth is an extra $1,200 a month that's recurring revenue. Even if we just grow 30 members a month, try to add one member a day, do just a small promotion here and there, by the end of 10 months, we'll have a, a six-figure membership site. And then we can start to piece on and layer in bigger launches that will flood more people into our community. But I don't want to do it too, too fast or too quickly because I've got to test our systems. I've got to test the, the site. Can the site handle that traffic? I've got to test the customer support. Can, can the customer support handle that traffic? I've got to test our Facebook admins. Can they handle the level of questions that are coming in on a regular basis? And so I wanted to make sure to test those things in smaller places because if I, and this, this has happened, um, I'm really bad at time zones really bad at time zones. I shouldn't be. Um, and that's probably a story and a limiting belief that I have for myself. And I could probably change that right now by just saying, you know what? Time zones come easily to me, but um, they haven't historically come easily to me. 
And so I decided to help out my team in December and schedule the calls. Go ahead and get them in the calendars for everyone. So of course, what was sent to our members was in a different time zone than what was on my calendar, which was in a different time zone than what was on the site. And I did that. And guess what? Because this membership is not 10,000 people who were flooding our emails with 10,000 questions. There were questions. We got a lot of emails, but I made a mistake in a seemingly smaller place with just a few hundred people instead of in front of thousands of people. And so that's been so great to see. Okay. Now, now we know Rachel never sets the time zones again. (laughs) That's someone else's responsibility, right? Um, Rachel being helpful is actually being hurtful. And so um, Rachel needs to not help. She needs to stay in her lane in this business and do what she's really meant to do and let, let my assistant and let, let our other, our social media coordinator and our customer support reps do what they do best. Um, And so these learning lessons though, don't despise small beginnings is what I would say to the entrepreneurs out there. Don't despise small beginnings because small beginnings, they shape you into the leader that you must become in order to attract the bigger audience, the bigger um, membership, the bigger whatever. And so we were intentional with a small beginning, knowing our plan for growth throughout 2019 and into 2020 um, and knowing that it's our one thing. And that's the other thing that I preach all the time in the membership is, and in the core pillars and in the 90 day impact profit system within the membership is the one thing we've got to be laser focused. And we see big entrepreneurs out there who have many things, but we don't know how they got to where they're at right now. And when you talk to most of them, because we just see them and we say, oh, she's successful. She's got one-on-one coaching, a group coaching program, and a membership. So I need all of those today, and then I'll be like her. But what we don't realize is, no, 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 she started with one-on-one coaching. And a, a year later, she added in a group coaching program. And then two years later, once it was streamlined and it was good and it was on autopilot, she added in that membership. And that's why she runs all three of those very successfully because she built the team around them. She built the processes around them. She built the systems around them. And they're on autopilot, which frees her up to have the time, the energy, and the effort to take on the next thing. I want to quickly pause this episode to let you know that our 12-month Thrive Mastermind is officially open. Friends, scaling a business doesn't need to feel overwhelming, nor should it feel like a strain. That's why over the years, I've worked with countless service-based female founders just like you to scale the work they love while increasing their impact and income in a way that allows them to be fully present in their lives. In Thrive, we support you to step into the CEO role of your business. How? By helping you transition out of being the bottleneck by getting crystal clear on the high leverage activities you're uniquely positioned to do while providing you with a framework to automate and delegate the rest. So Thrive is for you if you know you're suffering from analysis paralysis and you're battling with limiting beliefs that you know are holding you back from taking consistent action but are ready to lean in and do the inner work. It is for you if you're overwhelmed with information and done trying to figure out everything on your own and you want support from a mentor who's been there and can help you build a profitable business that actually feels good and expansive to run. 
Thrive is for you if you're fed up with inconsistency in your income and are ready to consistently attract clients you love working with and want to surround yourself with people who encourage you to up-level, who truly get you and are just as committed to growing as you are. So, doors only open a few times a year and we have limited spots, so head to the lifestyleedit.com to learn more. Yes. Oh, so much, so many gems of what you just said. And I've been trying to lean into that myself and encouraging my clients to do that. That rule of one, one simple offer, one conversion method, one traffic tool. We can't be on all platforms at once. It's like, it's exactly that. And I think we've seen it just in kind of these bigger organizations where they focus so much on growth that the systems have kind of been an afterthought. And you could, we've seen how that has broken businesses because the infrastructure is not there to actually support the growth. Exactly. Uh, so how, what's the kind of launch method been? How have you been kind of attracting really high quality leads? And there's a few questions within that. So what has kind of been the mechanism as you've been kind of gradually building that membership and how have you been able to, to attract targeted leads? Because I think one of the things, the criticisms that people have said about um, membership groups is that because the price is more accessible, it can end up being a lot more work on a kind of customer service base because the barrier to entry is lower how have you navigated that so that you're consistently, reliably bringing in qualified leads? Yes, this is such a good question. And the answer is, uh, there's many parts to this answer. So initially, we did a founding members launch. We did it internally only, just to my list to my social media following, to the audience that we'd already built. So our initial members already knew me, already liked me, already trusted me. And I like, I knew many of them. I recognized their names from comments and likes and things that I'd just seen on social media. They'd already been in my sphere before. And so when you start really re- with a really healthy core, I think that creates a really healthy foundation. And that really healthy foundation, as new people come into that foundation, they're looking at the current culture and deciding how to behave. And Mm. so because we had a healthy culture from the beginning, as we do bring in new members and we bring them in gradually. And so that's the other piece. We have not done a big challenge to a cold traffic audience to grow this thing and add a thousand members in one fail swoop. What we've done is we've said, um, we're going to continue to really market to the existing list. And the way we bring in cold traffic is we bring them in through the podcast. They listen to the podcast. They get familiar with me, with, you know, my values, um, what I focus on from a priority perspective. And they've already decided if they like who I am and and what I do. And so I think the $39, while it is a very low price point, who I am because I'm so unashamedly me is enough. (laughs) It's polarizing enough to turn off people who are like, yeah, I don't really care about purpose or impact. I just want to make money. Um, okay. I'm not for you. And because that we, for us 
all roads lead to the podcast. They've already heard enough of my heart and the heart of the people that I bring on to interview to know whether I'm for them. And so at that point it becomes, they, they, they belong in the community. There are only a few exceptions where we've had members in at this point who just don't fit. Um, and quite frankly, though, they self-select out. Yeah. They, you know, they, you don't have to stay a member forever. And so they cancel their membership. And we, we thank them for being a part of our community, for joining us, for, for being an active player. We're glad that they were there and that they got something out of it. Um, and so really staying in gratitude to every person who comes through the door and also realizing, and this has been huge for me this year. And I was actually talking to one of my friends, James Wedmore. Um, I'm in his mastermind and we were talking at the end of our last event in San Diego. And I told him that one of the biggest takeaways that I got from that particular event was that people don't come into our lives and our communities for the purpose of being annoying and frustrating. Like I really don't believe that anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I wonder how I could really annoy Rachel McMichael today. How could I send her an email that's just going to drive her bonkers? Like, I don't think they wake up doing that. I think they wake up and they think I really want to be liked today. I really want to do well today. I want to have a really good day. And so when they're sending me something that leads me to react in a way that thinks, man, they're so annoying, or I'm so frustrated, or why do they do that? Um, they are simply a product of their circumstances and their environment. And they are simply acting the way that they've been taught and the way that's worked for them in the past. And so if I don't like how they're approaching me, or I don't like what they're saying or how they said it. I have the opportunity to teach them a new and different way to behave around me. And I can do it in a way that loves them and honors them and supports them in becoming an, the entrepreneur they were meant to be. And so when I really shifted my perspective around people, human beings, and the fact that they probably weren't acting like this because of because they were trying to annoy me. They were probably acting like this because in the past they've been hurt. In the past they've been, you know, something's gone wrong for them. In the past, someone has done them wrong. And they're coming from a place of, Rachel's probably going to do me wrong too. And so I'm going to go ahead and take the aggressive stance because I don't want to be done wrong again. It was hurtful last time and I don't, I'm protecting myself. Then I can lean into loving them. And all those things that typically come up with memberships, I think come up for a lot of people because they're just not there yet in terms of serving their people and loving their people. Oh, Rachel, thank you. That is what a powerful reframe. So Rachel, I love that. Thank you. Because just circling back and I hope everyone picked that up that because very often I feel like we can get so in our heads when it comes to selling and just a lot of the stuff that comes up with that. But you can see that because Rachel is getting so laser focused on her podcast as a way to get in front of cold traffic, then directing them to the list and then selling there. With the podcast, you are creating that kind of content that really speaks to your ideal client. And so naturally, as you said, they're qualifying them and then you're moving them into your ecosystem and then warming them up into your, into your list. So I love that that focus. And again, it's that one, 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 that rule of one. Um, so you've spoken a lot about having team and you clearly have an infrastructure in place. What does your, how are you spending your time? How are you making sure that as you're scaling this, you are able to really focus on the things that 
you're uniquely positioned to do to move the needle in because as you were saying before I think we speak a lot about high leverage activities but there isn't always clarity on what that looks like so what does that look like in your business yes so I want to start by saying that I'm I'm not perfect I make mistakes I'm also a human being who doesn't always get it right and so less someone thinks I'm perfect um I try to follow the same systems that we preach and that we teach, um, we implement in our own business. And so everything I teach really comes from lessons that I've learned. So of 17, and that was back when I was running a web design and Facebook ads agency. And that team was so large that it was very difficult for me to handle. And I didn't have balance. And I was working till two o'clock in the morning, every morning. And, and realize this is not the way I want to live my life. I have a family. I have children. I, I, I want to be present. And things had to change. Like they, they had to. It, it could not stay the way that it was. I, I, I wouldn't be here today. I probably would be in a hospital somewhere because um, it, it was just crazy town. And so I had to take a step and look at my own infrastructure. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we hear things like just grow your team, add more people, do more things. And there is a season and a place for that. But our team right now is very healthy with a team of four. We have four people, two local and two overseas. And we're able to do everything that we need to do right now. We're actually looking at adding on one more team member right now. We're kind of in that place of, are we ready? Do we need her? Do we have everything, systems and structures in place? And so that's how our team works. And the way that it really started for me, and this is really important, you guys, because I think so many people, again, think that they need to hire. And I was talking, we were talking at our mastermind recently, and this is a group full of multi six figure and seven figure earners. And we realized something. And that is that a lot of times in the market, people believe they need to hire very quickly. But for most of us, when we hit our first six figures, that was when we hired our first assistant, part-time assistant. And then as we added another six figures to our business, we added another maybe part-time person or overseas person. And then for the next six figures, we added maybe another person and maybe more part-time hours, or maybe now we had a full-time person and a part-time person and a person overseas. Um, and so a lot of times I think that we think that we have to have a ton of people, but what we really need is a well-trained person. And this is where we have to you hear the term slow down to speed up. This is where you have to slow down. And so when you're just getting started, it's you doing everything. You're the one building the landing pages and you're the one building the thank you pages and you're the one updating the website and those things have to get done and you're the only person. And so you do them or maybe you outsource them on Fiverr or something else from time to time as needed. But when you're first getting started, you are doing a lot of the work. Um, and then as you're starting to grow and as you're wanting to leverage, you've got to have systems in place to explain to other people how to do this. Because remember, you learned. You didn't know how to do it. None of us knew how to do this when we were first getting started. And we learned, which means that anybody, your Uber driver, your barista at Starbucks, your insurance guy, like they're all totally capable of doing this too because you were once those people and you became capable of doing this. And so I think a lot of times we think, well, we've got to hire like an expert and there's a place and a season and a time for experts. Um, but a lot of times we, I believe, overspend on experts when somebody who could come into our business 
for 10 hours a week, a great, you know, college student or intern could do just what we're paying these other people to do simply because we didn't want to take the time to write down our systems or video ourselves doing it the first time, show them how to do it, and then work with them along the way to help them get better. And so what we've done in our business is, is just that. As I do something that I don't want to do anymore, I video myself doing it and then I send it over to my assistant and I say, I'd like you to take a try at this. Here's me doing it. Will you do it next time? So for the podcast is a great example. At the very beginning of the podcast, I learned how to do it all. I learned who I needed to research editors and figured out what I wanted to do and had the process I wanted to take and how I wanted to do it. And I've got a big business, but this was my one thing that I was focused on during that season. And so that's what I focused on. I got it all figured out. Um, I had my team help with some things. They helped with graphics. They helped with intros. They helped with um, some of the uh, getting the guests on the show, um, all the scheduling, those types of things. There are definitely things that the team took, uh, played a huge role in. But I really figured out what's the system. into the server. Why am I still the one who is, you know, taking the clips and making the graphics? I was like, this is, this is, this is not even, this doesn't even make sense for me to be doing. I'm not even the best person to do this. It takes me way too long to do this. And we have other people who are highly capable of doing this. And so I did the videos of me doing it. And then I said, it's their turn now. Let's put some deadlines. Let's get some dates in place and let's figure out how they can do it. And do they make mistakes? Yes, of course. Of course they do. They're human beings too. They don't wake up and say, I wonder how I can make a huge mistake on the podcast today. They never do that. Um, but sometimes things get overlooked. Things happen. And so we talk about it. We are we give grace when grace is necessary. And we also um, have hard conversations when hard conversations are necessary. And that's not easy to do as an entrepreneur, but it's what makes me able to do what only I can do. What only I can do is show up for this interview right now with you because it's my voice that you asked for, not my assistance. Um, what only I can do is be the voice on my podcast. Now, I say that and I could actually redesign the Business with Impact brand and I could have someone else come and interview our guests and I could just be a guest from time to time on my own podcast. So I'm not even actually required for that, but right now in the season, I enjoy it and I want to do it. Um, what only I can do is show up on those Q&A calls for the Business with Impact Society. What only I can do are some are, are the key strategy and vision things for the company. We've planned out 2020. We've got all the dates in the calendar. We know when our launches are going to be. We know what's happening because I sat down and really did that planning and, and brought in some key trusted advisors with me to figure out what made sense for next year. And so I really try to stick in the things that I can do and delegate the things that either don't come easy to me or I don't want to do anymore to someone on my team who's very glad to have me hand those off to them. But it took me documenting what I do and trusting people and, and being able to give them feedback uh, pretty quickly when things didn't go right so that they could know what to do better next time. And it takes us constantly. I emailed my assistant yesterday and said, 
I am, I am the bottleneck in this review process. Can we change the review process? Yeah. And so knowing when things need to tweak and pivot, uh, but we've been doing this team thing for a long time now. So I've had the opportunity, my first assistant had no idea what I was doing. And I just said, Hey, go manage my Instagram. No, don't do that. That's, that's a bad decision <laughs> because she didn't know what she was doing and I wasn't giving her advice. So I'm thinking she's terrible at this. And she's thinking I work for the worst boss ever and neither of us are happy. And it's because I didn't take ownership. And I think that's, that's what it boils down to just to kind of wrap the loop on this it boils down to taking ownership in our business as we outsource. When I outsource my Facebook ads, um, I don't actually, that's a terrible example. When I outsource, um, graphic design to people, I take full responsibility if those designs do not come back the way that I want them because I must not have communicated them clearly. And so I take full responsibility when things don't go right in my business. If, if a podcast goes out and it doesn't sound right, I take full responsibility because I didn't have time to review it that week. If something goes wrong in an email campaign and an email gets sent wrong, I take full responsibility because I must not have trained the person correctly. Now, I say that, but as, I, as I'm taking full responsibility for my part, I also look for lessons and teachings. And if I've taught someone something 10 times yeah. and it's still going out wrong every time, then I also want them to take full responsibility for their part in what went wrong as well. And I'm looking for team members to take full responsibility. And I'll give you one last example if you, if you want it. Yes, um, and, and that is, I hired a guy um, back when I did web designs and I asked him to create this new website. And I, instead of giving him his own server, like I had done with our other two designers, I let him in on my server that held every website that I've ever owned for my brand. Um, back in the fitness days, current websites, current membership sites, current course portals, everything. Gave him access to the thing. He was trying to rearrange something and he hit the delete button. Oh, like the delete button, like the hard delete button. It was his oh. first day of work. First day of work, hits the hard delete button, deletes everything I've ever owned, every website, every course, every everything. And um, the, current and? Host, <laughs> and the current hosting provider had not been backing things up. Something had not been working with their backups. Thankfully, we had a second round of backups. And so he also went in and restored everything that we could get backups to, but we lost about six or seven sites that had not been backing up correctly on either of the backups. Um, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. I learned not to give a brand new person access to the most important piece of my business on day one. Um, I learned to give better instructions on what I wanted them to do. I learned the value of a backup. And this guy, would never hit the delete button again. He was, he was um, loyal for life because we had that conversation. I told him that I was frustrated, but I knew it wasn't his fault. I knew he didn't intentionally crash my, take down uh, my entire business in a day as on his first day. Like he didn't do that on purpose. And so he was loyal for life. And I learned some valuable lessons. I didn't fire him that day because he didn't do it on purpose. He wasn't like maliciously trying to take down my business. Um, and so I think a lot of times too, there's a lot of lessons in the frustrations that can happen in our business, but it goes back to really understanding the intentions of people, but also knowing like there's been times when I've had to fire people who had bad intentions yeah. or um, just weren't doing their jobs and didn't want to learn how to do their jobs. And so there's, there's a healthy mix of patience and grace 
and ownership and accountability. Rachel, how are you balancing your ambitions to drive your impact with this business, but also living in this moment? I think it's, it's, I think for many of us, it's this constant kind of push and pull, right? Mm -hmm. We are so wanting to drive things forward in our business, but yeah, you want to be able to live in this moment too. How do you balance the two? I think it comes down to gratitude and surrendered effort. And so we can just all take a moment and realize that there's only so much I can do. And at the end of the day, I can't walk over to my ideal client's house, pull out their credit card for them and enter their information on their computer. Like there is a level of surrender that has to happen at the end of the day. And so when I am doing everything that I know that I can do and I'm living intentionally and on purpose, and I am so grateful for every person that walks through the doors of McMichael Consulting and who is a part of our business with Impact Society. And I am, and I I am, I'm doing all of those things, then I can live in peace that the rest of it will come when it's my time. And so as long as I'm being who I need to be and showing up who I need to show up as and being consistent, um, then I, I can live in that surrendered effort. Is it easy? No, of course not. Of course not. But surrendered effort and striving effort look the same. The only difference is the same amount of effort, but the person who is striving is always unhappy because they're constantly feeling unsatisfied with where they're at. And there's that tension of living in gratitude, but knowing that there's more that's meant for me. And so I continue to move forward knowing that there's more versus being unhappy because I'm not where I need to be. And so I live in that, I try to live in that place of surrendered effort versus that place of striving effort and try to live in that gratitude. Is that the same approach that you have when in those moments where you set a goal and you fall short of the goal, because I think a lot of us, it's, <laughs> it's in those moments, I think that kind of test us as entrepreneurs. And I think going back to what you're saying about choice, we can choose what not achieving the launch goal or the whatever goal means. We can choose to shame ourselves or we can also choose to be proud of ourselves and see the, the entrepreneur that we stepped into in pursuit of that goals. Um, so I love a, that looking at it as a choice. And as you said, throughout this interview, getting really curious about the results when we put things out there. What is it about this that resonated? What could we have tweaked and really taken inventory? How do you deal with those moments where you set big goals and sometimes you may fall short of them to keep going? Absolutely. Um, so there are times when I just give myself five minutes to kind of grieve, right? Because it, it's hard when you had this expectation and it's an unmet expectation. And so I think it's okay to be sad that this didn't go the way I wanted it to. And so I, I, I'm going to give myself permission to feel sad, but then I need to get over it because there's a lesson in, in whatever didn't happen. And there's so many lessons in a failed launch. In fact, failed launches are some of my favorite launches, not because they failed, but because the lessons that are in them are so big. What didn't resonate? Let's go look at our email open rates. Let's go look at our deliverability. Let's go look at our clicks. Let's look at our sales page. Let's look at where people dropped off in this launch. What video did they stop watching or where did they stop engaging in the challenge or who was in there and how many did we have and how, what percent converted? I've heard people say my webinar was a failure because only 
only three people bought, but they only had five people attend the webinar. Three out of five bought. Like that's huge. That's 60% conversion on their live webinar. They just need more people on their webinar. They didn't have a failed launch. They just didn't have enough traffic. Right. And so I think we get in our own heads a lot, but when we start to sit back and look at the data, it's like, oh, this wasn't a failed launch. I just need more people through the door. This wasn't a failure. This was a great lesson. And now I know exactly what I need to do next time to tweak and to test and to move forward. Yes, 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 yes. So final question, just because I know that I can just keep going on with this with you. Um, what are some of the things that you are working on in your business? Because I hate the expression new level, new devil, but it's true. As we're kind of up leveling, there are stuff that comes up and, you know, we're learning new things. And so I wonder just at the stage that you are in your business, you've, you know, the, the, the membership is going really well. Like what are some of the things that you're working on both strategically in growing your business, but also with the mindset stuff that kind of correspond with that? Yes. So the big strategic thing in our business is we're sticking with the one thing. So in 2020, we, we've nailed down what our main things are. Now, those could change, by the way, because what could happen is we get something super systemized, super automated, and we're ready to take on a new project. Great. We're not going to delay a new project simply because Rachel said in 2020, we're only doing this. <laughs> um, but we've got 2020 pretty well mapped out for, for the vision that we see for right now. And so we've got that vision laid out. We're going to stick to that vision. That's huge for me because historically what I would do is I would not have the year planned out and I might know what was going to happen next month, but I certainly wouldn't have been able to see the big picture. And when we're not looking at the big picture, what happens is if we don't, let's say this first launch that we're going to do at the, at the end of the quarter in Q1, let's say it doesn't go exactly like we wanted it to. I still have the full vision for 2020. So one missed mark is not going to crush my soul or crush my spirit because I know what's left. I know where the rest of the revenue can come from. I know where we're going to make it back. Um, most people are so sh are, are short-sighted in their businesses. And so they're just looking at this month or this week or today, how am I going to get this money in? How am I going to pay these people? What am I going to do right now? And because they're not looking at the big picture, they're taking on projects that don't make sense for them or clients that they can't fully support or um, work that's going to keep them up till two o'clock in the morning to hit a goal that maybe could have been met next week if they would have just had a little more patience, right? Yeah. And so that's one thing for me that's, that's been a, a huge game changer and a shift for my business for this year is actually just really being very intentional um, about that planning. And then from a mindset perspective, um, man, every time I go into a launch, I get nervous. And I've done a lot of launches, not just for myself, but for others. I have helped entrepreneurs through Facebook advertising and other ways, um, launch coordination, uh, hit up to a million dollars in a launch. And so I know launching. I know what can happen. I'm very, very prepared. And yet every time before launch, I think maybe I should just push it back a few weeks. <laughs> maybe I really shouldn't spend that much money. Am I really capable of getting this many people in? I don't think so. I, am I, can I do this? And I have to get on the phone with one of my trusted girlfriends and say, should I do this? Can I do this? And, and, and so sometimes it's just, um, that, that ever, I, 
I don't care what level you get to, I think some of that resistance will come, but it's knowing that that resistance is resistance simply because we're doing something new that we've never done before. And it's not, it's resistance is different than intuition where like intuition tells us like, I get a bad feeling. I'm not sure about this. Like we need to stay away from something. This is resistance. Resistance will always happen as we move forward and as we grow because our minds are used. And I'm not a neuroscientist. My friend Shannon can explain this way better, but like our minds uh, want to keep us safe and want to keep us where we're at because it's comfortable. And so we can expect that resistance. And so I've grown to expect that resistance. And so now I know, okay, I can call this friend. I can spend time in prayer and meditation. I can, you know, these are the, I can look back at what's happened historically. I've got um, tools in my toolkit to go to, but I, I will expect that resistance throughout 2020. I bet it's going to get real big. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to feel real impostery. Um, and, and I can know that that's going to happen and I could just embrace it as a good sign that things are about to shift for me. Yes. Oh, I love that. Rachel, how can people learn more about the membership and continue to learn from you? Um, the best place to find out about the membership is on my website. It's rachelmcmichael.com. I feel like websites are kind of like, you know, our, our business cards these days. They're kind of like yeah. our business, like step into my office, go to <laughs> rachelmcmichael.com and connect with me there. Um, but if you want to hang out at home, like if you wanted to just come and get a little behind the scenes of Rachel McMichael and all the crazy that really happens in my world, that's what Instagram is for. And so I love Instagram. I love Instagram stories and I I am on there at Rachel Mc, Rachel R McMichael. Um, Rachel McMichael is another person, and she's really cool. And we've all <laughs> been like online friends for years, um, but she's not me. I'm Rachel R McMichael. Got it. Okay, I will put all of that in the link in the show notes. Rachel, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I just I'm truly blessed and honored to be a part of this with you. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit podcast. You can download more episodes of this podcast and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.